Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am now covering in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 14 through 20, the last half of the book. I'm going to call this section, The Son of Man Harvest the Land. Our context is this in the first 13 verses of Revelation 14. We have 144,000 saints showing up again, and then we have three flying angels, and we're going to have three more angels in this section, verses 14 through 20. So we have the 144,000 saints singing a new song, the song of the new creation, the new covenant, and then three flying angels, the first angel of which announced the eternal gospel to be spread throughout the world, and the second angel will fall of Babylon the Great, i.e. apostate Israel. And the third angel was, you better not take the mark of the beast, you're going to be doomed. And so now we arrive at verses, at verse 14 of Revelation 14. So let's read 14, 15, and 16 of Revelation 14. Then I looked, that's John looked. Remember now, he's in the throne room of God, and he's seeing this this play this pageant being displayed before him as different beings are carried before his vision in the throne room and so now he's looking and behold a white cloud and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand and another angel came out of the temple crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the land is ripe then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the land, and the land was reaped. So, of course, who is that sitting on the cloud? That is none other than the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. The Son of Man was a messianic term for Jesus. It comes from Daniel seven thirteen through 14 a key two verses in the Old Testament, which I think every Christian should memorize. It shows up so much in prophecy in the New Testament. Let me read that. Daniel seven thirteen and 14, I continued watching in the night visions, Daniel writes, and suddenly one like a son of man, that's the messianic term for Jesus, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. So there you have Jesus in the clouds of heaven and Daniel and in John's vision, we have Jesus sitting on the cloud. So there's a pretty close tie in there. Well, let's continue with Daniel. In the middle of verse 13, he, the Son of Man, approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was escorted before him. He, the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. And that, of course, is talking about the new covenant kingdom of God. Jesus inherited it from the Father, and that's what we're talking about here, because the book of Revelation is about the establishment of the, new, of the new covenant. Now, the white cloud in the vision, in both Daniel's and John's vision, I'm sure is the Shekinah glory cloud, that same cloud of smoke that filled the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament when God wanted to make his presence known. The Son of Man sitting on this cloud in John's vision had a golden crown. A crown represents dominion, just like in Daniel's prophecy his dominion is an everlasting dominion he was given dominion he was given a kingdom that's what that crown represents sharp sickle in his hand that's for his harvest which he's going to do in a minute verse 15 another angel well first of all let's talk about that phrase son of man in old babylonian the phrase son of man meant heir to royalty now daniel of course was working in old babylonian he spent all of his career working for the first for the babylonians and then the persians 
he was familiar with that term. So when he used the term, and it's the only relevant time the term was used in the Old Testament, the term was functionally equivalent to saying that the one like a son of man was the rightful heir and successor to the divine throne. That's what he was saying. So the son of man is the heir to the kingdom. Even if you go back to the etymology of the phrase son of man, I, I used to always think that was a strange term. Every time Jesus used that term in the New Testament, and there's, I think there's only two instances that Son of Man is used by somebody other than Jesus in the New Testament. I think Stephen was one in Acts 7. But most of the time you see Son of Man is Jesus talking about himself. And every time he did that, he was essentially saying, I am God, and I will inherit a kingdom and have dominion forever and ever. And I will establish that kingdom by coming on the clouds in judgment upon my enemies. So that's a term freighted with significance. Verse 15, and another angel came out of the temple. Now, I mentioned that we've already had three angels in the first half of the chapter, Revelations, Revelation 14, 6 through 13. Let me list them for you. The first angel had an eternal gospel to preach to all the world. The second angel said, fallen is Babylon the great, i.e. apostate Israel. The third angel said, those who have the mark of the sea beast are toast. Now we're going to have three more angels in our last half of this Chapter 14, these angels are going to perform symbolic actions over the land. For example, in the fourth angel in verse 15, which is where we are now, that fourth angel will call Jesus to reap the land, call on Jesus to reap the land. The fifth angel, which we'll see in verses 17 and 19, he will help Jesus reap the land. And the sixth angel is the one who has authority over fire, which of course is judgment, authority over judgment. So the fourth angel says to the Son of Man, to Jesus, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap is come. That sounds like the hour of judgment in verse 7 of Revelation 14, this same chapter. One of the angels said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And so the first angel, the one that preached the, the eternal gospel to all the world in verse 7 he said the hour of judgment has come, and now here the fourth angel who is helping Jesus to reap the land, he says the hour of judgment has come. So before the gospel is preached, there's got to be judgment in order to clear the land, if you will, to stop the opposition to the gospel spreading forth. Now in the last part of 15, John says the harvest of the land is ripe. Actually, that's the fourth angel saying the harvest of the land is ripe as he calls out to Jesus. Now, what is this harvest? Well, I think the context here is the harvest of the bad guys getting ready to be thrown into the wine press of the wrath of God. That seems to me to be easy. However, David Chilton says otherwise. He says it's a harvest of believers. He refers to Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to, that's Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Well, that would fit Revelation 14:6 when the first angel shows up. Then I saw another angel flying overhead with the eternal gospel to announce to the inhabitants of the land, to every nation, excuse me, to the inhabitants of the earth here, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. All right, so that would be a harvest of good folks, of Christians. But to me, I think it's the evil people of the land of Israel. That would fit in with the immediate context or the close-by context of verse 19 of Revelation 14. So the angel swung his sickle at the land and gathered the grapes from the vineyard of the land, and he threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. So it's, it just depends on how you translate gay. If it's harvest of the earth, well, that's the gospel going forth, angel number one. 
If it if gay is translated as land, it's the harvest of the bad folks getting thrown into the winepress of the wrath of God, angel number four. We go down to verse 17 and verse 18 of Revelation 14, and another angel, this is the fifth angel of Revelation 14, came out of the temple which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has the power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called out with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the land, because her grapes are ripe. Well, first of all, this fifth angel who had a sickle in his hand, he called out, and then another angel, I call him the fire angel, he has the power over fire, and he and that fire angel, which is the sixth angel, he calls out to someone who had the sharp sickle. Well, now Jesus had the sharp sickle, and so does the fifth angel who's helping Jesus reap the land. He had a sharp sickle, so it's not clear to whom the sixth angel called out. He either called out to Jesus with his sharp sickle, or he called out to the fifth angel with the fifth angel's sharp sickle. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that there's going to be some harvest going on here in a little bit. All right, so we got in verse 17 another angel, and that's the fifth angel that helped Jesus to reap the land with his sickle. And then in verse 18, we got another angel. That's the sixth angel of Revelation 14. Now, this sixth angel, he has power over fire. That refers to the fire that he had in Revelation 8, 3 through 5. Another angel came and stood at the altar. That's the golden altar of incense. This angel had a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the land. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. So here you have the symbolism of prayers going up to heaven, and as a result of those prayers, judgment goes down on the land judgment on those who had killed Jesus and who had murdered the apostles and the prophets. And so, since we see in verse 18, this angel in Revelation 14, 18 had the power over fire, that sounds like the same angel in Revelation 8 who had the fire and threw it on the earth, threw it on the land. So we're going to assume those are the same angels. So this angel came out from the altar and he called out with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. And as I said, that's, I think it's Jesus. It could be the fifth angel because he had a sharp sickle too. But I think it's Jesus It just makes it more dramatic. Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the land. Now, that's Old Testament. That is Old Testament imagery. Uh, before, I, before I do that, let's go back to this fire. The angel had power over fire. Chilton makes the point that the Greek is literally the fire. The Greeks always put an article in front of nouns all the time that we don't do in English. But if you did translate it that one, the one who has the power over the fire... Sounds like it's the fire burning on the altar of incense. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I think that's what it's referring to, is the coals of fire from the golden incense, altar of golden incense, falling on the land with judgment, because fire is a symbol of judgment. Now, let's consider the imagery of the vine of the land, where the fire was thrown down to, the vine that was gathering grapes, which were getting ready to be gathered, and later in a later verse, thrown into the wine press of the wrath of God. What about this imagery, the vine of the land? Well, that's a common Old Testament image. It refers to Israel, especially Israel in the process of being judged. Let's read Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. 
And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes? And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment. Behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. In other words, God wasn't happy with his people. And this is an extended metaphor, a conceit, if you will, of Israel being likened unto a vineyard. And so here Isaiah tells us plainly that Israel, the vineyard of God, will be utterly judged. That in Isaiah's time, that was either by Babylon or Assyria, I'm not sure which. But just as Israel was judged in Isaiah's time, Israel will be judged again. This angel is saying, this sixth angel with the power over fire is saying, time for judgment because her grapes are ripe. Just like when a grape growing on a vine, is, at some point you've got you to cut them off the vine. You've got to reap them. Well, he's saying, hey, harvest time is here, except it's not a harvest for grapes. It's a harvest of wrath. The grapes of wrath, if you will, according to John Stein, as John Steinbeck used in his famous book, so we move now to Revelation 14, verses 19 and 20. So the angel, that's the sixth angel, swung his sickle to the land and gathered the clusters from the vine of the land, that's Israel, and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. All right, we've already given you one image, one passage from Isaiah emphasizing the image of the vine of the land. Let me give you another one, Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Who is this coming from Edom in crimson stained garments from Basra? This is, people dispute on who this is that Isaiah is talking about coming from Eden. I just think it's God. He's coming from the south. And in the image, he, his garments are stained with red. And it's like you stomp in a wine press and all the juice of the grapes get on your white clothes and it turns them red. Except in Isaiah's vision, it's not grape juice that's turning the clothes red. It's blood of enemies. All right, so let's read this again. Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Who is this coming from Edom in crimson-stained garments from Basra? This one who is splendid in his apparel, striding in his formidable might. It is I, proclaiming vindication, powerful to save. I'm assuming that's God here. Why are your clothes red and your garments like one who treads a winepress? I trampled the winepress alone, and no one from the nations was with me. I trampled them in my anger and ground them underfoot. In my fury, their blood spattered my garments, and all my clothes were stained. For I planned the day of vengeance, and the year of my redemption came. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I was amazed that no one assisted. So my arm accomplished victory for me, and my wrath assisted me. I crushed nations in my anger. I made them drunk with my wrath and poured out their blood on the ground." This is all the nations getting trampled, not just Israel. But, that, but the point is, a wine press stands for God's wrath. It's a great symbol because if you think about, if you've seen the movies of people stomping in a wine press, it's usually a bunch of women in, in bare feet and they're stomping on the grapes and all that grape juice kind of splatters up and gets all over their dresses. Well, 
the image is instead of grape juice is blood because there's going to be a heap of judgment going on. The winepress of the wrath of God. In verse 20, and the winepress was trodden outside the city. Now, Chilton comes up with an interesting idea about this outside the city. He says the whole land of Israel was covered with fire and blood during the years leading up to the siege, which is absolutely true if you read Josephus. But Jerusalem wasn't covered with fire and blood for three and a half years because they were hiding behind the walls. And Vespasian and later Titus had trouble knocking those walls down in order to burn Jerusalem down. So the whole nation of Israel was stained red from blood. Blood came out from the wine press up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Now, that is an unfortunate translation of 200 miles. It's put into English terms, so I guess so people can understand it. But it kills the symbolism when it's translated that way. The Greek is 1600 stadia, and the number is obviously symbolic. Four, as we know from before, four angels standing at the corners of the earth. The four corners of the earth, four corners of the land, it, it means the full extent of a geographical space, four. And anytime you use an exponential power over a number, you intensify it. So let's take four and square it as 16. Now, 10 is the number of largeness, as we know. So you square 10, and it's really large. You intensify that largeness, so 10 times 10 is 100. So you got 4 squared is 16. That's the full extent of the land. Times 10 squared, 100, that gives you 1,600. 10 squared means largeness is going to be a whole heap of grapes in the wine press of the wrath of God. The people, there's going to be a lot of people going down. Now, if you want to get literal, some people say that Palestine is actually just slightly less than that in length, literally, but I don't, I'm not going to go there. I like the symbolism better. And so, ladies and gentlemen, wrath is coming on the land of Israel. That gets us ready for our next audio, which will cover chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Seven bowls, having seven, seven angels, having seven bowls of wrath appear, getting ready to pour out those bowls of judgment on Israel and completely torch the place. I hope you stay tuned for that edifying audio in our next audio, and I hope you enjoyed this one.